You're listening to On Attachment, a place to learn about how attachment shapes the way we experience relationships and where you'll gain the guidance, knowledge, and practical tools to overcome insecurity and build healthy, thriving relationships. I'm your host, relationship coach, Stephanie Rigg, and I'm really glad you're here. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of On Attachment. In today's episode, I'm going to be talking about three relationship superpowers. Now, as I say that, and as I was planning for this episode, I was thinking, you know, it could just as easily be three life superpowers because the things that I'm going to share with you today are not specific to relationships, but this being a podcast largely about relationships, I thought I'd frame it in that context because I think that the the skills that I'm going to share with you today, these attributes that we can all and should all be seeking to develop within ourselves are really, really powerful in that arena of relationships in shifting how we show up, the energy that we bring to the relationships uh, and our internal relationship, which has really beautiful knock-on effects uh, in our broader relationship. So the things that I'm going to be sharing today are really I was on a Q&A call for Healing Anxious Attachment earlier this week and I was saying to the students, if I could wave a magic wand um, and bestow upon you, you know, one skill or you know a handful of skills, it would be these um, because I'm very much of the view that becoming self-confident and you know, really resilient in ourselves and in our relationships is about learning to stand on our own two feet, which is why you know, I'll, I'll often be reluctant to give people very specific instructive advice on what to do in a particular situation, because you know it's almost that old saying of give a man a fish and feed him for a day or teach him how to fish and feed him for a lifetime. Uh, and so my approach with my clients and students is always to try and teach you how to fish. Uh, and that's kind of going to be the crux of what these three relationship superpowers get at that I'm going to share with you shortly. So that is what we're going to be talking about today. Before I dive into that, a very quick reminder that Healing Anxious Attachment is still open for registration. Um, I'm going to leave it open for another week or so for this round. Uh, If you are wanting to join, really great time to do it. I will probably run the course once more before I have a baby in May next year, Um, but I'm not really sure what the format will be. It will probably be less interactive than the current round, um, just because I'm trying to manage my capacity and energy in the lead up to having a baby. Uh, So the current round has a live community. We had a live Q&A call, as I said earlier this week, and we may well have another one. Uh, So it is a really great round to join. uh, And if anyone has been interested in the program, Um, yeah, there may be limited opportunities between now and May next year, and then I'll be taking a bit of a break. So, um, time is of the essence, uh, and all of that is linked in the show notes and on my website, of course. Okay. So let's dive into this conversation around three relationship superpowers. So the first one that I want to share with you is the power of discernment. Now I think discernment is really inextricably linked to self-trust. And I think it build self-trust. And in turn, as we build self-trust, we hone our power of discernment. Uh, now I think discernment, you know, maybe it's hard to define. I think it's, to me, it's around judgment. Can I make a judgment call on a situation that is 
nuanced and messy uh, and trust in my ability to do that rather than needing to find the perfect answer and oftentimes source that answer from something outside of myself. So as much as I love receiving questions from my community and I do that each week on Instagram, I'll put out a question box and people ask me questions. And I love to you know, guide people to hone their discernment through illustrating how I would approach an issue. And I think that that can be really useful giving illustrative examples of that. At the same time, I'm always very reluctant or hesitant to stipulate to someone specifically what they should do in a situation, right? You'll, you'll notice if you do uh, listen to me giving people feedback or guidance on a situation that often I will put it back to them and I'll ask them, what does it feel like to you? Or what is it that you're wanting? Or if someone asks me, does it matter that this is happening or should I be worried about that? And I'll often put it back on them and say, well, you tell me, right? Um, because as I alluded to in the introduction, I, I really don't want people to have reinforced an already existing tendency to rely on something outside of themselves to provide the answers for what is right for them, what is true for them and what they need to do. Because I think the more we do that, uh, the more we rely on that and the less we trust ourselves, the less we trust our own judgment, because it really is only in practicing that, that we start to go, Oh, okay. I can wade into the messy waters of a complex situation and I can survey the landscape and I can consider all of the shades of gray that might exist here. And I can come up with a good enough solution for me, which will probably be the best solution for me in any given moment. Uh, I, I think that so often our reluctance to exercise our own judgment and trust our own judgment is because we are attached to this idea of there being a perfect decision or a right decision and that the right decision is one where we will get the outcome that we want or we won't have any regret, uh, that we'll secure a certain course of events or trajectory that will follow from that decision. And I think that really is an illusion that is grounded in a need for control. And often it's only in hindsight we go, oh, that didn't pan out the way that I was hoping, therefore it was the wrong decision. Whereas I think the more emotionally mature and self-trusting version of that is I made the best decision I could based on what I knew at the time. And that was still the right decision, even though it might not have played out the way that I had anticipated or hoped for. And so I think the ability to be discerning is all of that. It's being able to trust our judgment. It's taking in all of the facts of a situation rather than jumping to conclusions or acting impulsively. It's recognizing the existence of nuance and multiple perspectives and perceptions of a situation rather than being so attached to our own story that we can't actually see beyond it. It's almost like zooming out from a situation and doing like a 360 degree revolution of a situation and going, oh, okay, there's more here than what I initially realized. Uh, I think also when it comes to discernment, we're able to do that more readily and more confidently when we recognize that we have agency. I think that if you're someone who struggles to trust your own judgment, because maybe you've wound up in situations previously where you ignored your judgment and then you persisted in a dynamic that was unhealthy or that you didn't have a good feeling about, 
but for whatever reason you stayed in it or any number of other things, maybe you really thought something was great and it turned out not to be. And so that kind of chips away at your trust in your own judgment and discernment. And while all of that makes a lot of sense, you know, of course, our experience in the past is going to inform how we feel in the present and how we approach the future. I think that the more we remind ourselves of our agency, of our power to choose in a moment to moment way, uh, it kind of counteracts that fear story that says, if you don't make the perfect decision, you are going to be trapped. Uh, And so when we have the discernment and go, yeah, okay, I'm going to make the best decision I can, or I'm going to you know, see this situation in a way that's murky and messy and nuanced. And I recognize that I can continue to fine tune that, to finesse that, to pivot as needed. Uh, I'm not locking myself into anything. I'm not going to be trapped. I'm not going to be powerless Um, because I think that is what our fear would have us believe. And of course, that's really frightening if we think that making a decision is tantamount to locking ourselves into something that's potentially really not what we want. So hopefully it's clear as I share some thoughts on discernment, why that's so powerful in a relationship. I think for most everyone who falls on the spectrum of insecure attachment, whether it's anxious, leaning, avoidant, leaning, or some combination of the two, the ability to trust ourselves, to trust our judgment, to trust in our ability to be discerning is underdeveloped or impaired much of the time. And so when we start to build that up, we're much less likely to react impulsively, to panic and let our fear grab the wheel and be in the driver's seat of our relationships, as so often happens. We're able to give our partner the benefit of the doubt in a way that we probably struggle to when we are stuck in a really either or blame-driven mindset or one that needs to figure out who the villain is, figure out who the bad guy is and proceed on that basis. When we can be discerning and we can slow down and get curious and then trust our own judgment and trust ourselves to behave in a way that is aligned and in integrity and grounded, uh, then there's much less urgency to our relationships because it feels like we can act in a way that is honoring of us and them and the relationship itself without needing to be inherently self-protective or defensive or attacking or any of those other things. I think discernment really is hugely valuable, as I said, for ourselves and our own relationship and and inner environment of self-trust, but also when it comes to our relationships and our capacity to see what is happening in our relationships with clarity uh, and to trust in our ability to know what to do next. Okay. The second relationship superpower that I want to share with you is humility. So again, I think that I've probably spoken about this many times on the show, but one of the most valuable and the most challenging things that we can do in our relationships is stay humble. For those of us who are more anxious, leaning in our attachment patterns, there's a real tendency to think that we know everything that's going on in our partner and we know what they need and we know that better than they do. And I think that that flows from the fact that we spend so much time thinking about it, right? If we've done all of the ruminating and the wondering and the hypothesizing and the strategizing, and we've read all the books and we've listened to all the podcasts and we've done all this stuff, we really feel like we've equipped ourselves with a lot of information. And when we combine that with our baseline level of sensitivity and attunement, 
our ability to read those cues and take in a lot of information about someone else's emotional state and feel very tapped into that. It's easy to think that we know their inner world and what they need to do better than they do and that we know everything about them. Now, while we might know them really well, and that's a beautiful thing, I think there can be almost an arrogance to that assumption that we know what someone needs more than they do uh, and that it is our job, our responsibility. It's incumbent upon us to try and influence them in the direction of what we think is best for them, uh, particularly when that runs counter to what they are articulating they need or want. Um, and so it's really important to stay humble, uh, to really sit in the recognition of the fact that you don't know everything, you are not all-knowing, uh, and that it actually costs you a lot to try and play the role of puppet master uh, or master influencer in your relationships uh, and taking responsibility for everyone else's emotions and choices and decisions and needs and wants, it's actually very liberating to sit in the humility of recognizing, I actually don't know. I don't know what they're thinking or feeling beyond what they tell me. Uh, I can do all of the psychoanalyzing that I want and say, oh, they're just doing this because they're scared of that. And that, you know, again, you might be right, but you might be wrong. And I think the part of us that really wants to establish certainty and wants to feel a sense of control by having a clear picture of what's going on and what's true and make it all make sense in a way that makes us feel comfortable um, can really take us away from that place of humility. And this is not easy to do. This is something that I absolutely have to keep an eye on within myself, particularly doing this work, as you can imagine, uh, it's easy for me to get kind of arrogant and assume that I know my partner and other people in my life, that I know what's going on for them before they do, or at a level that they haven't quite grasped. Um, and again, like might be right, but it could very well be wrong. And it's actually much more freeing for me to not go into that realm of needing to figure it out on someone's behalf, of letting them walk their own path, of letting them be on their own trajectory and actually not meddling or interfering with that. Um, as I said, to like influence it in the direction of what I think is best or what would be most comfortable for me, which is ultimately quite a self-serving agenda. Um, so staying humble, staying curious, being open to being surprised by someone rather than feeling like you need to have it all figured out and that you need to provide all of the solutions and all of the insights. Let your partner and let others in your life surprise you. Okay. And last but not least, the third relationship superpower that I want to share with you is perspective. So I think that when we are in fear, in insecurity, in anxiety, in stress, our field of vision narrows and we get very zoomed in on micro moments. It might be one small comment that your partner says, and all of a sudden you're doubting the future of the relationship. You're wondering if things are always going to be like this and how could they do that? And does the fact that they said this or thought that or behaved in that way mean that they don't love you? They don't care about you. They're actually not a good partner for you. We take something very little and then we extrapolate it to really big, generalized, universal conclusions and projections that tend to be 
fear-driven, right? They tend to be catastrophic. They tend not to be, you know, it's very rare that we're taking a micro moment and then extrapolating it to be something really beautiful and global. It's almost always, you know, a dark negative spin on what's happening. Uh, And I think that it's so important to, it kind of links back with discernment. And I had a question from someone in Healing Anxious Attachment asking, how do I know when to let things go versus when to you know, bring something up that I'm bothered by. And I think that is a question that, you know, cultivating that power of discernment will really help you with situations like that, you know, trusting your own judgment, um, but also keeping things in perspective. Because I think, you know, if you're talking about building a long-term relationship with someone, a relationship, a relationship that, you know, is notionally for life or at least for the long term, then do you really want to be fixating on and you know, dragging yourselves through the mud on every single little thing that happens, every you know moment of temporary rupture or disconnection. Now, it's not to say that we want to create a relationship culture where we're routinely sweeping things under the rug that are building up and causing resentment and you know stress and disconnection, kind of rumbling underneath the surface. But at the same time, I think again there can be some liberation and some spaciousness in keeping things in perspective and going, okay, my partner and I were a bit irritable at each other this morning and that's okay because we have a beautiful relationship and I don't have to, for me personally, it's been very relieving for me to adopt an approach of keeping things in perspective, of reminding myself if I get upset with Joel or something, he just bothers me, reminding myself that I love this person and they are a good person and you know all of the things that are really great about our relationship so that I don't go so easily into that doom spiral of, oh, this one thing that he does or did makes him a bad person, makes our relationship wrong, means that it's only going to get worse from here and I'm going to be trapped. Like All of that is so, it's such an easy, slippery slope to go down and it inevitably, invariably makes you feel worse. So rather than doing that, can we keep it in perspective? Can we keep, you know, the moment or the little thing as the little thing that it is rather than blowing it up into a big thing and just see, see what that feels like. Because I think the, the hypervigilant part of us, the part that is always on the lookout for danger is going to blow those things up and wave a really big red flag and go, you need to be on high alert for this thing. And you need to make sure it never happens again. And go into all of your like full protective force on putting out every single little spot fire that might come up. And, you know, again, it's about discernment. It's about balancing because we don't want to be ignoring these things to the point where they really do build up. But I think that there's a lot of value in just letting things go and not in a way where you are holding onto it internally, but actually letting go of it internally as well. (laughs) Uh, And I think that, you know, doing that just means that we're able to almost correct the negative bias that will exist as a baseline for a lot of us, where we are trained to focus on what's wrong or what's missing or what's not enough and what we could use more of. Uh, And in choosing to let that go and keep things in perspective, we can sort of retrain ourselves to recognize all that is good and all that we are grateful for and all that we value in our relationship as it is, rather than always focusing on what's missing or what could be better. Because as you will have heard me say so many times before, relationships are imperfect and there will be seasons of disconnection and there will be ebb and flow. And I think the more we can accept that and 
expect that and make our peace with that, then the less anxiety we're going to feel every time there's a bump in the road, every time something comes up and we go to that place of, you know, this is very, very bad and needs to be solved urgently because it's threatening to everything. Can we trust a little more in the fabric of our relationship that we're building in the foundations that we've created and know that it's okay. It's okay. If we have an off day, week, or even month in the context of our broader relationship and the thing that we're building, can I trust that we do have stronger foundations than that and come back to the love and the respect and the care that I know exists between us rather than taking every little thing that happens as evidence for some very catastrophic story that I'm running in my head about how you're going to hurt me or how I'm going to be trapped in an unhappy relationship or you know whatever other worst case scenario I've convinced myself of that I'm subconsciously scanning for evidence of all the time. So keeping things in perspective and letting things go is a very, very liberating practice and one that will pay huge dividends in the overall energy and tone of your relationship and allow you to recalibrate to something that is less focused on the negative and creates I think more space and more capacity for you to see all of the value and the richness and the positivity and the goodness that is there in your relationship. So gosh, I'm out of breath. I am almost five months pregnant and I tell you what, it's getting harder and harder to record these podcasts without gasping for air all the time. So if you can hear me panting, that is why. Um, I hope that this has been helpful. I hope that that's given you something to reflect on these relationship superpowers, life superpowers, if we want to call them that, and given you some food for thought on maybe where you've got room to grow on these, maybe where the absence or the underdevelopment of these traits, whether in you or your partner or others in your life is maybe impacting the relationship and what steps you might start taking in the direction of cultivating more discernment, more humility, and more perspective in yourself and in your relationships. So I really hope that that's been helpful and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Thanks guys. Thanks for joining me for this episode of On Attachment. If you want to go deeper on all things attachment, love, and relationships, you can find me on Instagram at stephanie underscore underscore rig or at stephanierig.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, I'd be so grateful if you could leave a review and a five-star rating. It really does help so much. Thanks again for being here and I hope to see you again soon.